Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. This is Yowie Central. Welcome to the show. You're on 94.9 Main FM and you're with Sarah Bignall. This is the community radio show where we bring you the latest on Yowie Research in Australia. And we delve into the vast and endlessly fascinating realm of Bigfoot, Sasquatch, cryptozoology from here and around the world. And we go into all sorts of weird stuff, paranormal encounters, UFO sightings, you name it. And don't forget, this is a community radio show, which means you are all part of this Yowie Central community and the Main FM community. You're all welcome to contact me if you've had a Yowie encounter or you've had freaky experiences in the bush with orbs or Min Min lights or UFOs or anything else kooky and spooky. Get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group if you have a story to share. Big shout out this week to my fellow Main FM presenter, Glenn Williams, who was doing a big clean and shock out at home and found an old Yeti figurine belonging to his kids. Glenn and his wife very kindly gave it to me and he now sits very proudly next to my computer. I'll post a photo of it uh, on the Facebook page, on the Yowie Central Facebook page later. Such a kind and thoughtful thing to do. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Ali. First up this week, I'm bringing you the second part of my chat with my Australian Yowie research teammate, Gary Lynn. 
aka the finder of all things and a dedicated member of the AYR team. You'll know if you caught last week's show that Gary is a fascinating man who has an uncanny ability to locate lost things and also spot tracks and unusual tree structures from a distance in thick scrub. He's amazing. I, I couldn't squeeze the whole chat with him into last week's show, so here's part two. Because we've through the Australian, Australian school system and that kind of thing and the way Australian society is, or I guess not Australian society, but world society as well, for the most part is that we aren't brought up in the world that we actually live in. We're brought up with, with guidelines that have been, have been put in place. So when a situation like this does arise and you are going for a run and something's clacking rocks and you go investigate, there's a young, when I say young, I'm going to say he's still six foot tall. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, A very a large young, baby. <laughs> that's the one. A, a, a very young juvenile happily dancing and playing in the creek. Yeah. And if, if it's something that, that you've never, never, never considered, that could be a possibility. Maybe not for the fact that you're not, you're not, in, you're not into the paranormal side of life or it's just something that you've just literally given zero thought about. It is a very mind-altering, mentality-altering situation to be in. Yeah. And, you know, as you know, we, we do speak to people like this all the time that they're just mind-blown, like the size, the speed, these, these um, situations that, that do come about with witnesses and mentally need help sometimes. Yeah, yeah they sure do. They sure do, and that's why we're there. That's why we're exactly there. right. I mean, it's it seems like with my job, it, it it takes me all over the place. So, I should go to people's place of residence to to install certain things. And depending on the location, I'll, I'll, I'll actually ask these people. You know, do you see or hear anything weird in um, at night or during the day, or just in the general area? I do. And you you, some, ask, you I, ask people. Oh, I that's do. Cool. Yeah. I, I do all the time. Like, yeah, I'm, right. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really not fussed what they think of me. Like, I, I, I turn up like in my ute or my van. There's clearly Yowie Hunters stickers all over them. <laughs> Sometimes these people have either suppressed it because it didn't make sense or they've got no one to talk to about it. And I have had multiple times where you'll mention something or, or they'll, 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 they'll tell you a scenario and you'll go, well, maybe it was this or maybe it was that. Did you think about this or that? And then next, you know, you're then stuck there for an hour, and you're you're <laughs> you're late late for the next job because this person now has someone that they can talk to openly without being ridiculed. Yeah. And it's just yow yow yow. just constantly yeah. We heard this, we saw that, and I found this, and I, I, I heard something up there one, one day. And it's sometimes very therapeutic for these people. Yeah, yeah. We're we're counselors as well. I find. Yeah, it's exactly right. Which yeah. which is fine. I mean, um, yeah, I don't mind at all. It's. No. I have no, training I mean, for it anyway. You know, I'm, a, I'm a, a social worker by trade and I've worked with victims of victims of violent crime for for quite a while. So I, uh, I'm, I have training in psych first aid and mental health first aid, which helps. But it's still, it takes a toll as well. Like you, people like you and I and Dean and, and Buck and everybody on that team who's hearing people's 
frightening stories and seeing them, how distressed they sometimes are, that can actually cause vicarious trauma for the people who are, for us. So we have yeah, to, yeah, you have to be yeah. careful to put energetically put a boundary around yourself as well, if that makes sense. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, you yeah, you yeah. would understand yeah, what yeah, I mean by yeah, that. Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Because you, you end up with, with PTSD down the track if you've heard story after story after story and, and, and you've got people contacting you at all hours because they're really distressed. Uh, it can be it can be pretty full yeah. on. That is, yeah, when, when you say all hours, you are speaking a very heavy truth right there. Um, sometimes the phone's getting a notification at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Sometimes it's 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. I will say I'm, I'm, I do hear the vibration, but I'm, I'm, I'm still asleep, so I don't really <laughs> wake up to it. Generally, as soon as I get to it, I, I do. But it means um, something when someone's texting you at four thirty. It means they exactly. can't they can't sleep, or they're up worrying with the with the story or whatever happened flashing back in their mind all the time. That's exactly well, that, that. You know that. That, that also comes back to um, what you mentioned before about our, our um, exhibition this Friday night at Jim Boomer, um, <laughs> which actually did occur at 4.30 in the morning. Right. And that was um, peeking through the window and oh, running right. across, yes. across the yes. deck and across the, the back of the property as well. That's and right, because yeah, they'd gotten up early, yeah. hadn't they? They'd gotten up early uh, and were having a cup of tea out on the deck. That's correct, yeah, because the first witness, uh, she – Noticed something tapping on the window, something big and white tapping on the window. She 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 then told the second witness, and the second witness said, "Maybe you know, maybe it's just a large dog or something like that looking looking at the window." Which okay, <laughs> and <laughs> um, which then came <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, I've got English mastiffs. My, my my big boy is one hundred and five kilo and Ooh. very very big. Like tall, big, and I don't think he'd be doing that. No. <laughs> I, I used to have a Great Dane, actually. She was just enormous. I can't – how much did she weigh? But she didn't weigh anything close to 100 kilos, though. She she was probably yeah, yeah. taller but not as solid as yours. Not as solid as your boy. <laughs> <laughs> the second witness, you know, instead of the first witness, a, a large dog looking, looking in the window, and it was, it was passed off until, you know, a few nights later at 4.30 in the morning, having a cup of tea while the – Husband of one of the witnesses was going to work, and next you know, hello, how are you? There's a big white. Yeah, we're standing there. White is interesting too, isn't it? Because we don't get as many white ones as we do other colours. No, that's right. Usually, the the uh, most reported colours are like your your reddish browns mm-hmm. to your, your your chocolate blacks. Yeah, you do get some every now and again, grey to white. I think, I think the grey the the grey ones are, are possibly like us, like of age. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Going grey, but. I'm starting to think the white ones are actually a white-haired Bigfoot. Yowie. I wonder what the – because we haven't spoken to that witness yet. I'll be really interested to hear what colour the eyes were if it was white. Like is it – would would yes. we get would you get yes. albino yowies or – Well, I'm not sp- sure. I mean, like it's it's the same as us. It's it's what I tell people all the time because, you know, you'll, you'll go on some of these Facebook groups and someone will put up a, a an artist's description or something like that or something they've drawn and then you've got people, I wouldn't say attacking them, but saying, you know, that's not what they look like. They look nothing like that. But when you go back to reports, be it Yowie or Sasquatch, they they do vary in their appearance quite a fair bit, just like us. Yep. So I don't see why where I've got black hair, you've got blonde hair. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't see why there can't be a blondish Yowie out there. Yeah. Which isn't albino, it's just a blonde Yowie. Yeah. I have heard of um, a few yellow ones, like yellow sandy blonde colour. Yes, yep, And actually Billy from Yandina mentioned his father had seen one that was white, white, dirty white, uh, and really really scruffy looking. But again, that dirty white colour. Again, like that, that, that comes back to us not knowing what they are. You know, if if there's if there's DNA tests being done where 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 the tests are coming back as part human or, or like the tooth that was allegedly tested at ninety seven percent human. Yeah. So yeah. if that is the case, look, just like us, if we could vary so much in appearance, there's there's really no, and they are ninety seven percent human. If if that is the case, then there's really no reason why they can't vary in appearance as well. Exactly. And in which case, we need to be thinking of them as hominins, not hominids. So man-like rather than ape-like. Um, Correct. And the thing, it's good you say that. I mean, like a lot of their characteristics and the way they act is very human-like as opposed to being animalistic. Yeah. A, a good example is a 17-inch footprint that I found, I found once and when I was taking documentation, video and photo through my phone, in the video I'm, I'm talking about what I found Here's the heel, here's the big toe measurement. I'm, I'm a size 11 is quite clearly five or six inches or something like that, bigger than my foot right beside it. Mm. And off to my right, I heard something move in the bushes. So I spun around with my phone, nothing there. Okay, cool, keep going, keep talking about this this footprint. Uh, I mean, I'm tracking about another 60, 70 metres of, of where I believe this being was going. So I lost it. That was during the day and then decided to go back there at night. And what we can only, only ascertain is that whatever I heard to my right in the bushes was possibly one of them that actually noticed that I'd found a, a used trackway because mm-hmm. um, I actually found multiple tracks on this trail. When we came back at night time, we'd found branches that had been snapped off trees and stuck in the ground about six inches so basically, just just picture going out to your, to your front or backyard to a tree, grab a branch, snap it off. So it, it, it has small branches off that and leaves and that kind of thing, sticking that in the ground as if as if you were trying to give the impression of a naturally growing plant. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that so that's 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 what we found. So the the tracks were gone. They they've been scrubbed off like a bush turkey gone through, and really? we found three or four of these snapped-off branches stuck in the ground, which we can only assume which were made to look like naturally growing plants. <laughs> that, is, that is so interesting. But what, what is the my, – my mind is reeling with, with the possibilities. Now, the intelligence, the, the being is recognising that what you're doing is possibly giving their presence away. So That's they, exactly right. So they're, they're smart enough to go, right, well, I, I don't want that to happen. I'm going to erase that. And, and disguise it and camouflage it so we were never here. That's right. That's exactly right. And, you know, they, they've even been known when the troop is travelling that the one that's following the tail um, drags a big branch behind it, covering any possible tracks that, that they may be leaving as well. Yeah. And, and if that's not human behaviour, or, or human-level intelligence at least, rather than human behaviour. Well, yeah, exactly right. As you know, these beings have been known to, to actually mimic Human words as well. There's there's an encounter on Sasquatch Chronicles where 
a guy who does have activity on his property late one night, he could hear something calling his dog from out the back in the, the bushland that, that backed up onto his property. Ah, I've, yeah, I've listened to that one. Yeah. Yes. He, he looked down at the dog because the, the, dog's, the dog's laying beside him on the carpet and the dog's looking at him and then looking at the back door confused because this being is out there mimicking his voice, calling his dog. <laughs> and he's, he's looking at the dog, dog's looking at him, everyone's confused. Luckily, he, he didn't let the dog go outside. But that, that situation has happened very much over the years. And on saying that, I mean, like the, with the Sierra sounds of Ron Moorhead, mm-hmm. Wes Germer got a military linguistic specialist. Uh-huh. Scott, Scott Nelson, I know the guy. Oh, I don't know him personally, yeah. but I know what you're talking about, yeah. Got, got him to analyse the, the audio from the Sierra sounds. And he came up with evidence that there's, a, there's an actual language in there. Even though it's something we can't, we can't understand because I, I personally can't speak Chinese. But same, same deal. Like there, there's an actual language in the Sierra Sounds. Yeah, and so he he spent like three or four months transcribing something like sixty odd hours of recordings, and yes, yeah, yes. and slowed it all down. And his conclusion was that it was language. Yes, um, and which, which with, with, with with possibly two vocal cords. Yes. And language between what he could, what he thought was a little one and a big one, and like a female and a male. Yes, you have, have, having a typical married argument. Yeah, oh, and almost like they were laughing at some stuff as well, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah, I that's love the one. That. That's the but, one. But then that starts. Then I start thinking of, well, if there's language, there's culture, isn't there? There's a society. There's probably sense of humour. There's all the other things that that go with if you. If you're intelligent enough to create a language, as opposed to just communication noises that that other animals might make, if you're yes. if, if you're intelligent enough to create a language, what else can you do? Well, you know that that, that again comes back to why I sit on the fence because there's still so much more that we are trying to learn, or I should say, trying to understand about these beings. Yeah. So hopefully as we go, we can hopefully progress in that situation and step by step try and understand and learn a bit more. Absolutely. Because uh, it's just not it, – it's if, – if you listen to a lot of reports and encounters and a lot of um, people that go on shows and change their voice to protect their identity, uh, I, think, I think the governments do know what they are. But I think, as as for us being more more on the on the general public kind of side, I think it's going to be it's it's still going to be a ways off before we can actually work out what they are. I mean, I, I, I wish I could have some kind of ongoing interaction with these beings, which is something that they and I are actually discussing setting up in Springbrook, which is where where we've got the thermal images, mm-hmm. uh, which involves going there, say for example, on a Friday night, go there about the same time every Friday night, or maybe every second Friday night. And do the same things repetitively, so we so we we become predictable. Yeah. Then we'll hope that'll hopefully attract them to be a bit more brave, a bit, a bit more confident, and expose themselves a bit more because we are being so predictable in our actions every time we go there. So that's that's one of the one of the research techniques that that we do use, and that's for for, the, for a certain location. I can't, I can't give a location away. I'm sorry. But no, that's all right. They, they, I, know, I probably they, know it anyway, but we don't, oh, need, to sure. say, we yeah, don't need to say it on the radio. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's a situation that, that, that we are setting up and we, we, we are discussing 
if that does work, that might be a, a vital piece the puzzle in, in gaining some more valuable knowledge to, to what we're going to understand. Yeah, absolutely. I do I do sometimes think though that because they don't they clearly don't want their photo taken. They don't want to be they don't want us to have evidence of them. It's pretty clear that they don't like cameras, they don't like you know, even infrared cameras, they they're they're pretty clever at avoiding those. So do you reckon if you're there doing that plan and and going regularly but do you reckon they're going to go no these guys are still trying to get us on camera like (laughs) we're not we're not going to come and communicate with them because they're they're still trying to get us in inverted you know i don't mean uh, hunt them yeah yeah, for sure yeah for sure yeah 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 yeah, understandably um we'll see with with those thermal images that that we got a springbrook the only reason that 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 situation come to an end is because where we were there's a road that goes through through this certain area and myself and Jacob were on one side of the road and these two beings were on the opposite side of the road up on the embankment. And the only reason that it came to an end is is at about one o'clock in the morning, this this interaction or I guess this viewing experience had, had been going for about 10, 15 minutes already. And a car came up and they yelled out the window, there's Yowies up there, boys. And oh, really? I think that, yeah, and I think that vocalisation from, from, from these two guys in the car, like after that, these two beings, it, it, it's like they just disappeared. Right. They must have seen Dean's number plate and the sticker or something. We were, we were actually in my van. We leave the cars, including Dean's car, down at a certain location and – we take my van, pile all the gear in the van because it's easier, you know, with all chairs and whatever else, barbecues, whatever else we're taking. <laughs> but they still would have seen Yowie Hunters on the back of the van anyway. Oh, you just got one of the normal stickers or one of those special ones that you made for your ute? No, on, on the back of the van is just a generic sticker. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But on the back of the ute, the actual AYR logo. Yeah. I'm so going to get me one of those. <laughs> I Easy saw yours done. and I was like, I am so jealous. <laughs> I <laughs> well, want one for my ute. <laughs> and Dean said, well, you probably drive some shitty old V-dub or something like that. And I was like, I have you know, I'm a country girl. I drive a ute. <laughs> it's nowhere near as fancy as Gary's, but <laughs> it won't be too embarrassing to have the AYR logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? If, if I can just put it out there, out there to the people that, as as you've heard during this episode, we we do work with with Dean Harrison with Australian Yowie Research or yowiehunters.com. And as I said, it is a, the the website is very vast in its knowledge, but the reason behind it is the documentation. Even if you don't believe that your encounter or your sighting was that significant. Please contact us if you are having trouble uh, mentally or anything like that. Please contact us. Your name can be withheld. You, you can be anonymous. But it's basically just to document the location and what type of interaction it was. It's all valuable information that, that does get put on, on the data files. It, it helps us. And, again, it helps the, the general public as well. Again, if, if, if someone in a certain area has had an encounter but – they don't know anyone else in their local area who has had an encounter of sighting, a sighting themselves. So they're obviously not going to be that willing to talk about it if, if they're out there and they're lonesome. 
But with these reported sightings to the AYR, that when, when they do get documented, you can actually go on the website and see from state to state alphabetical order where these where these recorded sightings have been seen in Canada taking place. And that can also help these people that do feel alone. They can next, you know, they can find out that, well, look at that, five kilometres down the road, someone else saw it. So that, even, even if they just read that, that, that is a mental help as well. Yeah. And it also, on top of that, it also furthers our research. At the moment, we don't know which way to turn. People, I don't think, quite understand just how many encounters and emails that come through the AYR, be it the Facebook page or emails that come through to Dean and Sarah. Um, <laughs> lots. It, I can just say there are lots and lots. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot more than what people would ever expect for the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. It's, it's all valuable, valuable information, which then does help, help us with our documentation for areas which areas that, that we need to go research in and try and progress our research and our findings and hopefully the end goal of exposure and protection of these beings. Oh, here, here. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I couldn't have said that better myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on Yowie Central. I really appreciate it and hopefully you'll come back one day. For sure, definitely. Um, come and back and talk some more stories. Good. I'd love to, I'd love to hear more stories. Dean said, I so wished I'd taped it because the way he talked about you last night was so beautiful. <laughs> I was really touched. <laughs> I was really touched oh. about how how much he appreciates you, how like how you because you're so strong mentally and physically, you you help the team get through those expeditions. You help them physically get through them and, and you you help him and Buck and everyone else believe that you know, when, when you say, oh, let's go to this location and people go, oh, God, no way. We'll never be able to get in there. <laughs> apparently, apparently Dean told me that you're like, sure, let's go. Let's get, let's go now. <laughs> and he, he, he said, you're just like a mountain goat. Um, and <laughs> but he's, he's sort of, he was saying, you know, you really help mentally as well as physically help everyone through those. And I thought that was really special. Really well, special. I appreciate that immensely. But, I mean, that also needs to go back back on Dean and Buck themselves as well. Yeah. Um, they are not without blame for that as well. <laughs> they are very much, very much supportive and helpful themselves. So it's, it's not just a one-way street. You're all a bunch of legends. That's what I reckon. <laughs> if you can't go in the middle of the bush at 3 o'clock in the morning and have a laugh while <laughs> watching something growl at you, then, you know, what, what else can you do? Exactly. I've, I've certainly had quite a giggle at some of the, the videos that Dean sent me of the conversations <laughs> you guys have. I'm so, I'm green with envy that I don't live up there and I can't go out with you because I'd, I'd love to. But so Dean sends me well, lots of videos and photos while you're out. So just to make sure I don't feel too left no, out. That's great. <laughs> yeah, well, just, nice. just, um, just one last little um, Easter egg for you. Yeah. One night myself and Dean decided to go up to this, our, our secret location up in Springbrook. And all we took was... Two chairs, an esky full of pure blondes. I don't know why he drinks that, but he drinks pure Ew, blondes. Yuck. <laughs> I know, I know. I was, yeah, I know. I let, let's, let's get past that. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, decided to, yeah, go up there in these chairs with an esky full of beer. And Dean, Dean and I got, to this, got down this trail. It's pitch black. 
And Dean walked off into the darkness about another 30, 40 metres with a Bluetooth speaker and put the original Blue Monday song on. Oh, yeah. And he, he cranked that and then come back to the chair. So we're just sit, sitting there in the dark, no torches, nothing, just trying to attract something and see what had happened. So it wasn't so much an expedition night. It was more of a, <laughs> eh, let's go drink some beer and see what happens tonight. Yep. And um, on saying that, I can't think, oh, it was a, I think it was a, a comedian that, that he, because he, his phone was playing whatever audio come on next. So I was playing through some songs and it come on to, I think, I think it was an American comedian with a deep voice. But at this stage, you know, you're in the moment having fun and just talking, talking about everything in life. And this, this deep male comedian voice come on and I crapped my pants. <laughs> I, I, I thought there was something standing there vocalising at us. Dean, Dean, Dean cracks up laughing because he, he, he obviously knows what it is but I didn't. And anyway, so we, we had a laugh about that. We, we um, went, went back to our sitting in, sitting in the pitch black, drinking beer and talking about everything. And next thing, you know, Dean goes, don't move. Don't move. I'm like, what? What? Don't move. So, of course, I'm sitting there with the beer in my hand, frozen, frozen stone cold. <laughs> I, I can just, just see Dean. And he picks up the FLIR camera. And, he, and I said, are you, are you shitting me? And he goes, don't ever say that again. I don't shit anyone. <laughs> went, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm still sitting there frozen. And through, through the FLIR image, but pretty much on probably a metre to either side of us is where the forest starts. So we're on, on a certain fire trail and then it's just thick, dense forest either side of that. And over my left shoulder, Dean sees, sees a big a big mass move through probably, probably five, six metres behind me um, over my left shoulder again. And then it just disappeared. And then he watched a red orb float through the trees and disappear into the distance. Oh, wow. The whole time I sat there frozen because I didn't want to move. I didn't, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I haven't actually heard that story. That's amazing. Did it shape shift into the orb and float um, away? I, could be. We, we, we don't know. But that's, that's just um, what, what, uh, what Dean witnessed was this big mass through the floor and then it disappeared and then a red orb going through the trees. Right. That's one of, of, of the many, many unexplained sounds and sights that, that we have. Well, you're definitely coming back on again because we I'm sure you've got more stories to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Lots more. <laughs> cool. All right. I'd love to have you back on again in uh, you know, sometime in the future. That'd be awesome, Gary. Sounds yeah. great. All right, mate. Thanks again. Uh, thanks so much All for good. coming on Yowie Have a good afternoon. You too. Cheers. Gary Lynn from Australian Yowie Research. You're listening to Yowie Central and you're on 94.9 Main FM. If you've had an encounter with a Yowie or you've seen a ghost or had scary UFO experiences or any other weird stuff, get in touch with me via yowiecentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Australian Yowie Research Database contains hundreds of Yowie sighting reports from all over the country, the majority of which occur up the spine of the Great Dividing Range. Yeah, Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria is where we get most reports from. We get less reports from Western Australia and I think perhaps because there are less people on the West Coast to report encounters rather than there not being any hairy men over there. As a result, we were really interested when we received a sighting report from the Jarradale area in Western Australia. I thought I'd play you the interview I did with that witness today, but you can also catch the whole video on the Australian Yowie Research YouTube channel. What happened was I've camped at this dam previously and I've had no experiences but very, very little animal activity. There's no kangaroos out there. There's no wallabies. There's nothing. I was out there by myself. There's no walking tracks. There's one four-wheel drive track that only leads maybe 500 metres into the bush and at the end of that there's a wild pig trap. Once you go past that, there are no tracks, nothing at all. And so I was using my machete just to cut my way through a bracken fern I came across a small track. It was quite wide up the top and narrow down in the middle, down the bottom where, where you would normally walk. I've never seen a trackway that looked like that at all. I was quite surprised and I noticed that it went all the way down to the water and then all the way back up where the water feeds into the dam. I decided just to walk this track if I could see anything or if I could try and figure out what it was because it was quite well defined. So I started walking up away from the dam towards the hill section of the area, and I was I was about, I walked about 20 metres, and there was a tree on the left-hand side. The track goes past it, but as I started walking up, on the left-hand side of the tree, because this tree is on the left-hand side as well, so on the left-hand side of the tree, I noticed... It wasn't really a hand. It was three three or four fingers. Just move. Move behind the tree. I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck was that? I've had a few experiences with wild animals. My first response is not to fight or to flight. It's just to freeze and then slowly start backing up. As I started doing that, I'd walked about three steps backwards. From the right-hand side of the tree and straight onto the track, this thing just stood out, and it was smaller than me. It came up to 
I'm a little bit higher than my sternum. I'm about 5'11", nearly 6 foot. I was judging this thing to be about 4 foot high, and this thing was so wide and so stumpy, like it had didn't have stumpy legs, but short legs because the arms were longer. They were near its knees, or just its hands were past its knees. That's the best way that I could describe it. And it stood out, and it just looked at me in – it was pure rage and shock and fear. You could see these things playing across its face instantly. I could shit myself. I had no idea what to do. When it looked at me and I, we registered each other, I would have had fear and shock in my eyes. There was no anger. This thing just raised its arms above its head and took two steps towards me and then just turned around and took off running. And it was grunting and it was snorting. And it covered, I don't know, I wasn't really in my right mind. And to think about it now, I'm, I'm not in my right mind now to seem thinking about it, but would have run up the hill about 50 metres in about, I don't know, maybe five or six seconds. This thing was so goddamn fast, it wasn't funny. If it decided to attack me, I think this thing probably would have killed me. But it didn't. It got up to the top of the hill and it turned around, sort of like bent down and picked up a rock, but it was screaming at me. And this thing was so, so loud. It was so loud. It felt like the, the scream almost rattled my eyeballs. That's how it felt. And it was a high-pitched, I don't know how to describe it. It was sort of crossed between a, a mountain lion and a bear. I, that's the best way to describe it because it was it was high-pitched, but it had this deep-throated roar when it, as it finished. And it just, it just moved its arm, and then I felt it was a rock because I – Noticed when it came past me, I heard it, and it was so close to my face. I heard it hit the tree behind me. After that, as soon as it threw the rock, and I felt that go past my ear, it just took off back down the hill, down the other side of the hill, and I could hear it. I could hear it running through the bush for a good fifty meters, and then it was just it just got quieter and quieter. I'm a forty year old grown man, but I went back to my campsite and I cried. I was so frightened of this thing. After about an hour, I picked myself up together and I grabbed my tent because I've got a little one-man tent. I actually waited on the outskirts of where everybody is because the water corp is there, and I just waited out of sight. And at 5.30, the gate closes and the park's closed, and I immediately, where the water corporation has their pumping stations and stuff, it's got a very, very high barbed wire fence, and I just – I grabbed all my stuff, threw it over the top and jumped over and in there and I camped there. That night, I had no fire because I didn't want to light a fire. I just used my little trainer and I cooked my food in that. All through the night, there were no really weird noises. I heard one wood knock, what I know now is a wood knock, and I had a, a stick land on my tent that night, but that could have just been from the trees because the trees overhang this area. When I was sitting outside the tent that night, I did feel like I was being watched for a little while, but that went away pretty fast. And that's about all I can really say. The next morning, I got up at 5.30, packed up all my stuff. I got out of the barbed wire area, and I went back down to where the pipes are. My father picked me up at about 9.30 that morning, and I was gone. How scary. Yep. can only imagine how terrifying that would have been. It, it was shocking to see. 
I mean, this this thing's face, it was so human and it wasn't. Um, it's the only way that I can really describe it. Its hair was like when it was running up the track. At one stage, it got into broad daylight and you could see it. It was it was like the tips of its hair was red and then it just went darker and darker as it went in, not the other way around. I'm a little bit out of my mind at the moment just thinking about this because it was a year ago and I'm September last year. So, yeah, it's been a fair while. When someone has a, a really frightening experience, especially with something so mysterious and unknown and out there as a hairy man, it's totally normal to feel traumatised and shaky and even when you bring it up years later, I, I've I've spoken to people who've experienced something 30 years ago and, and still get the shakes and you can hear the, the fear in their, in their voice still after all that time. Yeah. So don't be too hard on yourself. At first, I thought it was like five and a half feet tall, but the fact is, is that it was standing on one of the one of the roots of the, of the tree that was actually hanging out into the track when it confronted me. I didn't actually realise that until me and my brother went back there and we took a rough measurement. It would have been about four foot tall, four and a half feet tall. Did you get and the feeling it was male or female? Oh, not really. My best suggestion. Just with the pure rage in its face at the end, it wasn't shock. It was more fear at first when it seen me, and then it was just pure and anger and rage after that. The best suggestion that I could make is the only time I've seen rage like that comes from a male. What was it doing with its face to make you feel that? At first, its eyes were wide open. You could see the tiny little bit of light that it had in its eyes because it it was frightened of me. That's the only overall thing. And then because I was backing up and my mind was shock and fear, it just turned into rage. But it raised its arms above its head and I've been looking into it. And that's what primates do when they feel threatened. They try to lift their arms up above their head and make themselves bigger. But it took two steps towards me and I automatically put my hands up. And as soon as I did that, it just turned around and took off. Take me back to when you first noticed the hand. It would have had five, would have had five digits. They were quite short, stumpy, fat fingers. That's the best way that I can describe them. They had, they had hair. You can see that the hair ended sort of midway through the, through the fingers, if you know what I mean. Like the tops of its fingers were covered with like hair, not as much as the body, but it was still covered. And then, when it showed itself to me and I seen it running, you know, I knew that it had no hair on the palms of its hands or on its pads of its hands, but they were short, stumpy fingers and they had very, very wide, yellow, nasty fingernails on them and they were broken. That's the best way that I can describe it. When I was walking, the only reason why I noticed it is because I think it moved its thumb. I'm quite aware of myself and things in the bush after being chased by from cassowary up in North Queensland having experiences with a lot of crocs as well. So I'm very aware of movement um, out of the corner of my eye or just off of my peripherals. Usually either means the wind's blowing or there's something dangerous near you, and that's that's what I got. But I had no feeling of being watched, and I smelt nothing. I'm sorry, I'm rambling. Totally fine. You just talk. Just get all the – get it all out. Because I, I know it's really hard because there's usually not that many people you can talk about this stuff with. No. So what colour was the skin on the hands? It wasn't our colour, like I'm, I'm Caucasian, so it wasn't white. It wasn't dark. It was sort of like a grey, a grey, dark grey. 
That's the best way that I can describe it. It was sort of like a silvery dark grey. Silvery dark grey skin and then big yellow square nails and red reddish kind of hair. Yeah. I know that sounds fantastic, but that's what it was. After you've noticed the hand, then you notice a head peeking out from behind the tree. Going back in my mind, it was just more the top of its head, which was conical. Not as conical as like you would have on a on a full primate. It was quite high. It was more like the top of its head and just the shadow of a corner of its eye as it pulled backwards. Mm-hmm. So I knew that it was looking at me. I seen the thing out of the peripherals and I looked over it at the hand. I seen the fingers and as I went to look at the tree itself, I seen the head poke backwards, if you know what I mean. When did you actually see the face with those expressions on it? When it stepped out. When it stepped out and then it has all these expressions. So you mentioned it was fear and anger. The eyes were wide. What was it doing with its mouth? At first, it was like open. It was partly open, like it was taking a big, big breath. As it changed to anger, it sort of like peeled its lips back and snarled at me. But it, it didn't have fangs like you would on like a gorilla per se or, or a chimp. It had eye teeth like us that were slightly longer, but they weren't big. You know, they weren't big and menacing or anything like that. They looked more like our teeth with slightly longer eye teeth, but they were yellow. I was going to ask you, so they were a yellow colour. Yeah. It stepped out, looked at you first with fear, and then what you felt was just anger. What did it do then? Pure rage. Pure rage. It, it, just, it just lifted up its arms. Well, it sort of snarled. Well, it didn't snarl. There was no noise, but it peeled back its lips and showed its teeth. When it did that, it lifted its arms in the air and took two steps. I did a lot of martial arts as a young kid, so I automatically went into a Taekwondo stance, and as soon as I put my hands up, and as soon as it did that, as soon as I did that, it just turned around and took off like an Olympic sprinter. Did you see the rest of the body then as it ran off? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I wasn't looking between the legs or looking for breasts or anything like that. My body was just in a total state of shock. I've seen the body, and it was very wide at the shoulders. It was it was as wide as me, easily as wide as me, and that's what the track looked like. It was wide at the top and narrow on the in, on the bottom. I can only say that this was the thing that was making that track. Later on, me and my brother went back. Since we've been there, there's a massive cross there now. There's a massive X. Is there? Um, that's interesting. Yeah. It's fucking huge. I don't know if this thing made it or whether it's natural. We just seen it. Me and my brother didn't want to go anywhere near it. But it's interlocked with another tree. It's one dead tree and one live tree, and they're interlocked together, and it's huge. I mean, this X probably reaches 10 metres in the air where it crosses over. And it wasn't there when you were there? It wasn't there last time. time. So it was reddish all over? Yeah, it was. It was red-black. It was red on the tips, and as it started going in, it was darker. The only way I've seen the red in it is because it ran under full sunlight. There was no dappled shade or dappled sunlight. It was just full sunlight, and it ran, and all of a sudden, the tips of its fur just went red, dark red. Did you see the skin on the chest or going down the belly at all, or was it hairy all the way down? The best way that I can say it was less thick on the front than it was on the back, but it was still very, very thick. Did you see any feet? Yes. Yes, I did. Well, I I didn't see it from the front because I was only looking at its face. 
when it stepped out. When it was running, I seen the pads of its feet. They were bare in the same colour as its hands, but they were caked in crap, you know, like the undergrowth of the bush. The thing is, is that the rest of its body was fairly clean and I could smell nothing. Its feet were very, very wide, like thorpy wide, but very, very short as well. So it was about the same same size as you can see as a four-foot high purse, the same size feet, but just a hell of a lot wider. It runs away from you really, really fast. You said it, it crossed. It's like an Olympic sprinter. 50 metres in a couple of seconds, in a few seconds. <laughs> uh, and then it turned around and threw a rock at you, or did it scream yeah, at it, you first? It let off the scream as it threw the rock. Right. It was sort of the same time, like, I don't know whether the crane scream started first or whether he threw the rock first because I'm still in shock now, like trying to think about it and trying to actually get the facts right. It was screaming when the rock whizzing past my ear. Then that scream was high pitch, but you said cross between a mountain lion and a bear. Yeah. At first it was just, it was so fucking high pitched. I mean, this thing would have been heard for miles. I'm surprised that people didn't come from the water corp, didn't come into the bush. So they obviously know something that I don't. But um, at the end of it, as I said, it like it was rattling my eyeballs in my brain and its skull. That's the tone of the voice, well, the tone of the scream in the end. It's just high pitch. When it was dying off, it just got low. It ran off and then just disappeared into the bush and you didn't see it again. i never seen it again. You hadn't seen anything like that beforehand either, had you? Never. This thing was terrifying. They generally are. Like, I've talked to a lot of people and I rarely meet anyone who comes away going, oh, that was cute. <laughs> Everyone I speak to is, is traumatised and terrified. You mentioned uh, in your email that the name Woodarchies, Nunga word for Yowie. Yowie. Mm. Yeah, that's correct. I had heard it before. I just couldn't remember where it was from, but it's a WA Nunga word. It's a WA thing. I'm pretty sure about it. My friend's father and Nanup actually told me that. He said, there's heaps of wood arches up there, and I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. I just went, oh, yeah, okay. So, and then I found out what the hell they actually are. I was like, hell. Not too far away from Nanup, we've had one in green bushes, and that was 2008. We've got an old newspaper article from 1882 from, is it Augusta, down on the coast there? Yep. We've got a possible Yowie sighting up at Stirling Dam, which is a little bit further away from there. Osterlind. Yeah. Yep, we've got one there. We've got one um, at Donnybrook, which is just south That's of... That's not far away from that up at all. There's a few around Perth. Rolly Stone. That's up near Kalamundra, and I've heard of another sighting up there of a giant one. And then further up the coast, there's more river... There's a few, but there's nowhere near as many reports as I'm sure people are actually experiencing them out there. How do you feel about going out camping these days? I don't go camping there alone like I used to. No going out by yourself? No, there's no going out by myself anymore. There has been one time where my brother and I felt like we were being watched, but we just put up it. We made our campfire a lot bigger, a lot bigger than what we normally would. Um, within 15 minutes of us building up that fire, it went away. But it wasn't menacing. It, the watching didn't feel scary. It felt like it was more Like whatever was watching us, it felt curious as to what we were doing there. There's nothing that I've heard out in the Australian bush that sounds like that. If I was the ranger, I'd want to know what the hell it was, and I'd be coming out looking, and mm. no one came. Maybe they do know what it is and they were frightened. Maybe they, they, well, this is what I'm thinking, that they do know something is out there. 
that's my personal opinion, though. I think that they know that there's something there. It's my personal it's opinion that, too. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot I, of the rangers I, all over the country know know that there's something out there. Yeah. Yeah. Someone very kindly contacted Australian Yowie Research the other day to report a brief sighting from the Castlemaine, Chewton, Victoria area. So I thought I'd read it to you. Last night, around 7pm, we were travelling by car from Bendigo to Melbourne on the M79, which is the Calder Freeway, and 15 to 20 minutes in, I saw something black in vegetation on the left-hand side of the road, as if it had just crossed the road and was entering the tree line. There were few cars on the road and no one in front of us, and the next car on the opposite side of the freeway was really far away. I saw this thing only for a second, and it was probably 200 metres away, but I'm sure that it was much darker than a kangaroo, and the shape seemed bipedal with really thick legs and overall resembled an upside-down Y. I saw it from the side. It didn't look tall. It seemed short and stocky. A minute later, I saw the Forest Creek sign. So the sighting was somewhere around there, and Forest Creek is runs through Chewton in Castlemaine, for those who don't live locally. So I'm not really sure what I saw, but... The shape and colour didn't look like some wild or farm animal. And also, we were going at 110 kilometres per hour and the road wasn't perfectly smooth, so the car was shaking. I read all these Yowie Encounter reports on your website last year and I was under the impression that they don't happen near major roads. So I doubt very much if it could have been a Yowie, but its colour and shape especially just don't make any sense. What do you think of that, folks? We actually do get quite a few reports from roadsides. Uh, some are major roads and some are, you know, backcountry roads. But we still do get them from main freeways. Perhaps if it wasn't a large figure, it could potentially have been a Junjidi. It's not the first time I've heard Junjidi reports from around this area. So, so perhaps we have some little hairy fellas here as well. Well, that's all we've got time for this week, people. Yowie Central will be back next week, same time, same place, on 94.9 Main FM. Stay safe and I'll catch you next week. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch.
might be rich, you pretty young thing Better hide the glint of your diamond ring Your fancy jacket won't be worth a dime When you're sucking the blood right out of your spine Hearing cry, hearing howl Looking for someone to disavow Claws like a hook, eyes like coal Feet so big they're gonna crush your soul Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.